Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, this is Leslie Gist. You're listening to the Gist of Freedom. Uh, We have a very special show for you tonight. Uh, I'd like to introduce you again to uh, Harlem playwright Bill Beasley. Uh, Bill, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Great. Could you introduce yourself to the audience and tell them um, what this special show is about? Okay. Uh, what this special show is about is uh, a reading of my play, Every Vote Counts, about the election year of 2012. Um, I hope, Yvette, are you on the line? I'm here. Okay. And Rodney's on the line as well, right? I'm here. Okay. Great. Okay. So, again, I'm Bill Beasley from Harlem Playwrights 21, and I thank everyone for listening to the reading of my play, Every Vote Counts. The cast is uh, we have Yvette Heiliger playing Helen, a young black woman in her early 20s, and we have Rodney Singleton playing Andy, a black man in his early 20s. The time is September 2012, late morning, in the setting at Union Square Park in New York City. The lights rides on Helen, dressed casually, wearing several Obama buttons, and distributing flyers. Andy enters. It is... Carrying a dress casually. We elect Obama. Helen? Wow, I haven't seen you since we graduated from NYU last spring. Oh, Andy. I see you're still involved. And it looks like you're still not. Support Obama. Hey, why didn't you return any of my calls or messages? Didn't see any point. Helen crosses away. About Obama. Andy crosses over to her. I thought we had something. Uh, it was something. Hey, let's go over to Starbucks and catch up. Can't you see I'm busy? Helen turns away. Uh, reelect President Obama. Too busy to have a cup of coffee? Too busy for someone who's not serious. I'm serious. You are? Face him. Well, did you ever register? Register? For for what? To vote. Vote for what? Vote for Obama and help get him reelected. He doesn't need my vote. After all of our talks about how important it was going to be and you still haven't registered? No. Why not? Once you register... They start bugging you about jury duty. Jury duty? Did I hear you right? From did I hear right from Mary that you just got your driver's license? Two whole months now. Well, I hate to break it to you now, but you're going to get called for jury duty. Cause I got my license. I I thought they only took your name from voter registration records. No. Well, <laughs> now you're in the system, so you may as well register to vote. Support Obama? If I did register, why should I support Obama over Romney? Haven't you been following? I wasn't planning to vote, so... So, uh, Like thousands of New Yorkers who are eligible to vote, you choose not to get involved in the election process and let others decide who our elected officials get to be? They're all shady. No, they're not. Just looking to line their own pockets. That's not true. The majority of politicians are honest, decent, law-abiding citizens, and those that aren't end up getting caught and even end up in jail. Politics. It's, it's just Republicans trying to play keep away with their wealth and the Democrats trying to get money from them to support the rest of us. Oh, it's more to it than that. How so? You've got President Obama, who's real personable and a genuine people person. 
And then there's Romney, who's got no personality and, and can't relate to the problems ordinary Americans face. So Obama should get reelected just because he's personable. Romney has no compassion for people not born with a silver spoon like he was. He's already written 47% of the voting population as victims who feel they're entitled to government money. But Romney says he has a plan to fix the economy. Sure. Just ask your parents or, or place $10,000 bets. For someone who refuses to reveal his income tax records, the only plan he's revealed so far is asking the voters to trust him and elect him, and then he'll reveal this mystery economic recovery plan. Well, as a Mormon without a bunch of sister wives, <laughs> seems like somebody we can trust. Can you trust someone who talks on both sides of almost any issue or, or, or puts his dog on his car roof on a road trip? He keeps demonstrating poor judgment. I'm putting my trust in Obama to fix the economy. Romney was a businessman. Shouldn't we give him a chance? Mm, I don't think so. Under his business leadership, his company bought, broke up, and sold companies, costing thousands of people their jobs. Remember KB Toys? Yeah. I used to love going in there looking at all of those toys when I was a kid. And then they closed. What happened to them? Well, they were having financial problems, but they reorganized and turned it around and became a profitable company challenging Toys R Us. But Romney's company didn't get the memo, bought it, paid itself enormous profits, and saddled KB Toys with so much debt that eventually KB Toys had to file for bankruptcy. I didn't know that. So Romney has cost people as many jobs as he claims to have created? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, has Obama created jobs? He's done what he could as president to stimulate the economy. Any program he suggests needs the approval of Congress, and he's not on the board of directors of the major corporations who have the real task of hiring people. And they've been deliberately withholding hiring until after the election to make Obama look bad in the hopes that Romney gets in. Wait, isn't that like treason? Putting party politics ahead of the welfare of the American people? It should be. Besides, after the economic mess Obama inherited from Bush, the stock market has rebounded almost back to the level it was. The business can't be as bad as the media makes it sound. The economy needs work, but people feel safer with Obama in charge of national security. Hmm. Well, we got bin Laden and Gaddafi on his watch. Romney doesn't seem to understand international politics. He seems to have a chronic case of foot-in-the-mouth disease, and I'm afraid if he's elected, he'll say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and then there'll be hell to pay. I have noticed that he's always clarifying his previous remarks. <laughs> so we need every eligible person to register and support Obama's reelection. I'll support him. I don't have to vote for him. But your vote will help decide who sits in the Oval Office. Don't the polls have them about even? The Republicans want you to believe the race is closer than it really is. So like I said, Obama doesn't need my vote. No, that is exactly why Obama needs every vote. Why would he need my vote? We can't just assume he'll win and, and not show up to vote. Hmm. Uh, maybe that is Romney's strategy. Count on every count on voter apathy to believe Obama's going to win anyway, uh, so his voters won't show up. Don't worry. Enough voters will show up. Are you willing to risk it, to risk everything that you've got on that? I wouldn't go that far, but I'm still not convinced I need to register. Obama wants to move America forward while Romney wants to take us back to the 50s and 60s and, and fight all those battles again like the Cold War and civil rights. Don't you want to move forward? Well, moving forward is better than moving backwards. The direction this country takes depends upon which party is in control, and your vote 
helps determine that. My one vote. Your one vote. Combined with every other person's one vote adds up to a powerful voice. Now, are you trying to say that the whole system depends on my one vote? The system depends on everybody's one vote. Well, if everybody else is voting, then I don't have to. Ugh. Okay, don't vote. And, and if Romney gets in, I don't want to hear you complain about anything. Uh, re-elect Obama. It doesn't matter who wins anyway, because the world's going to end in December. Uh, if Romney wins, he might say or do something to cause it. <laughs> I don't know if Romney would be the cause, but I'd get my affairs in order if I were you. Oh, Lord, you don't really believe all that nonsense. Didn't you see the movie? I had better things to do. And those Mayans were pretty smart people. All the smart people who've tried to predict the day the world will come to an end have been proven wrong. Maybe the Mayans predicted right. Most likely they predicted wrong. <laughs> if they were so smart, then why didn't they predict when their own civilization was going to end, huh? Well, now I'm going to be ready just in case. I haven't made any plans beyond November. Oh, not doing any Christmas shopping or going to any New Year's parties. Well, when the world doesn't end on December 21st, I'll invite you over to my parents' house for Christmas dinner, okay? Will I have to bring you a present? Of course. Uh, it would be last minute. You better get used to the idea that you're going to be around for the holidays and the next year, too. So, I should think about what gift to get you? Tell you what. You can give me my gift early by going down and registering to vote before October 12th so you can join every civic-minded citizen in exercising your duty to protect the freedoms our ancestors fought and died for. I don't know about your ancestors, but mine were brought over in chains on ships and forced into slavery so they didn't join those freedom fights. My ancestors were slaves, too, but they believed in the principles of freedom for everyone, which is why they tried to get their freedom any way they could, including risking almost certain death to escape to get it. And here you are, living in the greatest country in the world, enjoying the benefits from the blood, sweat, and tears that were shed defending that freedom in so many wars by people of all races and colors, and you don't want to get off your lazy ass to vote? Even if I registered and voted, my vote won't mean anything. No, every vote counts. The only votes that are going to count in this election are in the eight swing states which will determine who wins in the Electoral College. The popular vote matters. Tell that to Gore. Gore won the popular vote in 2000, still lost the election. The popular vote in New York always supports the Democratic ticket in presidential elections anyway. So Obama's going to get those New York State electoral votes, whether I vote or not. Your vote still makes a difference. Obama's not the only candidate on the ballot. Who else is on the ballot? The U.S. Senate seat and, and, and all of the U.S. representatives from New York, as well as all of the New York State senators and the State Assembly. Oh, my God. All those folks? All those folks. And, and there are always referendums to be decided that have a more direct effect on your daily life. You're always complaining about how things are. Well, now's your chance to speak up and let your voice be heard. Oh. Re-elect Obama. I'm not ready to speak up, and my voice doesn't need to be heard just yet. I don't expect you to get up and start campaigning. You can express your opinion in silence, as, uh, in silence if you want to, as long as you vote and express it. If I promise to register... And vote. And vote... Will you go out with me again? Tell you what. You register by October 12th and vote on November 6th. Then we'll make plans to celebrate the new year. But we may not. Don't start that rubbish again. Otherwise, it was good to see you. Uh, support Obama. All right, Helen. I'll register 
and vote on November 6th. Vote for who? Vote to reelect Obama. Reelect Obama. Reelect Obama. Curtain. End of flash. Wow, that was awesome, Beasley. And um, your actors, uh, Rodney and Helen, that was uh, terrific, really. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Great, great. Um, uh, Let's start off with uh, Beasley just talking about um, how this play came about. uh, maybe we should start off with Helen. Helen, uh, Yvette. That's okay. I must have played Helen really well that you're calling me Helen. <laughs> yes, you did. You did a personal job. Thank you. Um, tell, us, tell us about your organization. Um, well, my twin sister and I have our own production company called Twin Biz, and uh, we write and d- direct and produce um, original projects projects for the stage, television, and screen. But this particular, um, how this particular play came about was that I had an idea to uh, invite playwrights. Well, about two months ago, I invited writers of all stripes to submit 10-minute plays, short scenes, or monologues about the upcoming presidential election. Uh, Subject matter could include any aspect of the political process, the issues, civic life, government, ideals versus reality, leadership, public service, voting, etc. The diversity of opinions on either side of the aisle and in between were welcome. And um, so Bill submitted his play, and it was accepted for uh, for what I called uh, the uh, Writing the Election 2012. Uh, Unfortunately, um, Hurricane Sandy... uh, um, uh, forced us to cancel the event. Um, all the buses and subways and trains were ordered to stop running on Monday, which is the day that we were going to have the event. But Bill wrote a uh, wrote a terrific script about voting, and I did select it for the festival. Wonderful. What are, what inspired you to even have this um, writing the election? Well, I'm I've been volunteering for President Obama's campaign. And so because I'm a theater person, I just wanted to find a way to involve theater artists and get them excited about the election. And so I thought if I uh, put on a nonpartisan theater event that I might attract um, writers from both sides of the aisle. And so it was just a way to get people uh, galvanized, excited, interested in the upcoming election. You know, in New York State, um, we have... uh, a serious problem with voter apathy in general. I think the Daily News said that we were voted 40, ranked 47th in the nation with regard to voter enrollment. And so uh, it was just a way to get people excited about the election and uh, and about politics and and exercising their civic voice. Um, were you successful in recruiting other writers from the other aisle, side of the from the side. We we had a lot of plays that dealt with Republican issues. We had a, a play about the Tea Party set in Alice in Wonderland. We had a play about uh, a superhero that was uh, the uh, the red representing the red um, the red candidate or the Republican candidate. We had a lot of very interesting, fun plays. Uh, uh, a play about the Ku Klux Klan and their their um, Opinions about the issues of in the nation, so we had a, a lot of diverse issues. Um, uh, one play called the debate, the debate prep, was Paul Ryan calling together Michelle Bachman and Troy, Aik, uh, what's his name, Aikman, uh, to to talk about and help him to prepare for the debate. So we had a lot of of plays from both sides. Yeah, I think I I got about forty two submissions. Mm-hmm. And when are you going to reschedule um, this event? Because uh, tell us more about where it was supposed to be held, the venue, and what are your plans? It, it was supposed to have been. It, it was supposed to have been at uh, Barbara and Tears National Black Theater um, on um, the 29th of October, right, Bill? Yes. Yeah. 
Right. I think it was the 29th of October. I don't know that we'll be able to reschedule it right away. Um, I've been very busy volunteering for uh, the campaign, for President Obama's campaign. And so it just hasn't, an opportunity has not presented itself yet for me to to refocus on that. There's a lot of work to be done, even now that uh, the election's tomorrow. Um, with everything that's going on with the hurricane, do you think that we will have the results in by Wednesday morning, or do you think this is going to be um, a repeat of 2000? Uh, what do you think, Bill? What do you think, Rodney? <laughs> oh man, I, I I think I I think still that we'll we'll have results. I don't think we'll be waiting. What was it in two thousand? We we got Florida's final final count two months later. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, <laughs> I I'm pretty, hope not. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that you know by Wednesday we'll know who you know who's going to be in the Oval Office. You know, until the next election. Well, I love the piece, and I had several um, favorite lines. What about you guys? Anyone have a favorite line that you just, you know, enthusiastic about saying, and it really rang true? I loved her exasperation with with Andy uh, later in the piece when she starts yelling him at him about. All the other, it's not just the president we're voting for, but we're voting voting for a lot of different candidates on the ballot. You know, it's it's about President Obama, but it's about all the other things that need to be voted on as well. And I think a lot of people forget that. So I think it was very important that Bill raised that issue and brought it to light within his play. What about you, Rodney? Yeah, well, actually, the the thing that I kind of had the most fun say uh, fun saying was uh, around the middle of the play when we briefly talked about uh, the leverage, basically the leverage buyout of KB Toys, and the character Andy is just like, yeah, I used to love going there, and the reason I, you know, I, that kind of stuck to me was because when I was, you know, eight years old, there was a KB Toys. That w- that was the toy store to me in mm. the mall in Greenville, Mississippi. <laughs> mm. And I, lo- I really did love that place. And when it went out of business, I genuinely was sad. And, you know, I, I don't guess I've been to that store in, what, 20 years? And I'm still kind of sad that it's not around. I right. Like right. Yeah, I learned a lot too. Yeah. It, it's interesting so that Bill chose that to bring. Any reason you chose that particular example, Bill, to bring uh, to light? Having heard of that with the Bain Capital mess, that I thought it was important that people understand that from Rodney's point that he he claims he's making all these jobs, but he's really costing people jobs. You know that mm-hmm. they. They're, Putting people out of business, and you know, sadly, people with debt, and then costing people jobs. And so, what he keeps claiming he's got experience. What's his experience? His track record is not what he claims it to be. You know, so mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that out in the piece. I, I was waiting for Big Big Bird to come up next. I thought that was a segue into Big Bird. <laughs> well, uh, he was after Big Bird at the KB. Well, the, the submissions had to be in before the end of uh, September. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Originally, the, the program was going to be done at the end of September, except that someone unfortunately came down with a bad case of the flu <laughs> and was sidelined a little bit, and so that delayed it to the 29th and then yeah. Sandy. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I definitely learned a lot. You also mentioned um, briefly about the 2000 election. Anyone want to talk about that? Yeah, about 2000. Well, I'm... No. It is what it is. You know, we, it's, it's history, yeah. and, you know, we know that the Republicans, you know, his, his, his brother down there in Florida, jerry-rigged it for him, you know, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. And do you see any similarities with the uh, report that uh, Romney's son Tag is uh, a owner has serious financial interest in some voting machines. There's a lot of voter suppression activities that are happening, and I'm I'm frankly shocked 
that all of this is able to take place right before such a major election. You know, I don't understand why things aren't regulated across the country. I don't understand why we all don't have the same uh, voting laws and requirements nationwide across the board. I, I really don't understand how it's left in the power of each state to to decide what's going to happen. I, I mean, I guess that's the American thing to do. I don't know, but it just feels really wrong that right before a major political election, all these things are happening, you know, to to disenfranchise voters and to discourage voters and to, um, you know, hopefully they'll turn away from and go back home and not vote at all. And it just it seems like we should be trying to get Americans to vote, not trying to find ways to get them not to vote. I mean, it, you're right. It, it does seem odd that there isn't a federal standard. Yeah. For you know, a, at least for a federal election, right? Yeah. I mean, I used to I used to live in Georgia, and I was living in Georgia in 2000. I actually stood in line to vote for like four hours. Oh my god! And you know, it, during during that time, um, Georgia had kind of had started using uh, the electronic voting machines, and you know they were pretty simple. But if you if you didn't know what the technology was, or you weren't familiar with it, or you weren't comfortable with it. You might not, you know. Mm. You, I, I remember the look on my father's face the first time he was with me in like the self checkout line at Kroger, and you had to use the machine yourself. <laughs> I, I, I was, I remember being at the poll and seeing, oh. seeing, you know, some older people with a similar expression yeah. on their face trying to use those electronic voting machines. There's got to be, you know, that there needs to be a standard. There has to be voter education, mm-hmm. just to do something simple mm. like actually cast your ballot. Everybody's not using those old, you know, mm-hmm. punch pull. cards and the pull the pull lever. The lever. Pull the lever was yeah. easy. <laughs> Why can't we do pull the lever? You know, that was easy. There's, there's, there has to be some kind of standard. There really needs to be. At least that's my opinion. And, and you mentioned voter suppression, and that's one example of, of uh, voter suppression. Just for the record, my listeners, what about two Two more examples of voter suppression laws that they have put in place or tried to put in place. Well, a lot of people talk about the the different uh, voter ID laws in in certain places. Um, You know, I I personally, you know, have never had, like, a problem with it because, you know, I've I've had a driver's – I grew up in North Mississippi, so I've had a driver's license since I was 15 years old. But that's not the case for a lot of people. Certainly not the case for a lot of people in you know New York City area. Mm-hmm. You know how many there? How many nineteen-year-olds are walking around without a driver's license or any kind of identification? There's a ton, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, but they have to have that in order to go cast their ballot. Some of them, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to stand in the line at the DMV. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But whatever it is. There's a lot who won't be able to identify themselves at the poll, and if you can't accomplish that, guess what? Register or not, you're not voting. And also there's a whole um, thing with people who have been incarcerated. You know, once you've served your – in some states, once you've served your time and once you've finished your parole, you can vote. Or if you're waiting to be convicted – uh, either you're waiting in jail or or out of jail. You can, if you're in jail, you can do an absentee ballot. If, you know, or if you're waiting and you're not in jail, you can still vote. You know, but as long as you've done your time or you're waiting for your the conviction or the sentencing, you can still vote. And I think there's a lot of of our of a lot of people who've been incarcerated that are not aware of their voting rights within each state. Again, that varies from state to state. Um, But I had one instance, I was doing voter registration at the Apollo Theater, and um, uh, I had talked to the uh, MC Capone a little bit about people who had been incarcerated and stuff, and so he said, okay, I'm going to do this announcement and I'll mention that. And so he did a great announcement, and then during intermission for amateur night, this gentleman comes up to me. He looked about 75 years old, something like that, and he said, 
Miss, I've been out uh, for a while. I, I finished my parole five years ago. I can vote? And I said, yes, of course you can vote. And I registered him right there. And, you know, that's the kind of story that rips your heart out because you knew this is a man who had never voted in his in his whole life. You know, and here he was now. It looked to me in his 70s. I don't know, maybe he was younger, but he he certainly had some years on him and uh right. and was registered for the very first time. And so, you know, there are a lot, there are stories like that that, you know, you just wish that's more a, could have been done. Yeah. And that's the title education. in itself, registered for the very first time. Sounds like a song and a, a nice play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to cry right there, I tell you. So, I I was just um holding back the tears, you know. For that. Yeah, it has but, to be emotional. Yeah, and uh, and the whole issue with that is, is an overreaction. I mean, there aren't that many cases of voter fraud. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, why is it? Why do you? you know, it, it is deliberately trying to suppress the vote. <laughs> right. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And I had to ask you. You brought up in the play Beasley um, uh, electoral uh, process, electoral mm-hmm. college process, college, and you right. mentioned um, the voter uh, popular. Uh, vote versus the um, electoral college. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, does anyone want to talk about, you know, what was said in the play and what, you know, what your opinion is about popular vote versus the electoral process? Bill, why don't you talk about that? <laughs> I thought it was clever. I thought it was a clever way of, um, you know, bringing it out. Yeah. Well. Obviously, you know it's one thing to be popular and win all of, and win all the votes, but uh, their idea of was to make it equal so that every state still had a, a, a say in the process. That all the states with a more population wouldn't overrun the, run the country essentially with the vote. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that New York State's votes, are, you know, we we only have so many, you know, to contribute to the electoral college, and so that all these small states, even with their eights or tens or twos. Can still matter, <laughs> you know. When I start mm-hmm. uh, adding up those totals, <laughs> well, I guess it seems like it. They were trying to be fair, but I don't know if it ends up that way. <laughs> based on what how you described it, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a film out on PBS um, about trying to uh, get rid of the electoral process and allow the states. Um, to share their votes or send their electoral votes to the most popular, the the candidate with the most popular um, votes. So instead of just giving the, the votes, or the electoral mm-hmm. votes to the losing candidate, you would mm-hmm. give it to the national uh, candidate with the most popular votes. So it's kind of complicated, but um, I don't think um, most people understand the process and what do you say about schools and civics and especially you? Um, I want to keep calling you by your character's name. But uh, what do you think about uh, schools being involved with the civics and political science? And I've been told that history is not even uh, mandatory in most colleges and universities to get a bachelor's degree. Do you think that has something to do with the lack of engagement, political engagement? You mean in public in the public schools? Public school all the way up to private colleges. There's I was told that there's no requirement in order to get a bachelor's degree that has history, American mm-hmm. history, or civics or political science. You know, do you think from grammar school all the way up, if that was mandatory? I, I don't know. I think that kids should should be expected to learn that. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. About the political process and how it works, I think they should also be taught how to balance a checkbook and how to deal with mm-hmm. credit cards. I think mm-hmm. they should be taught a lot of practical things that they're not taught in school, so that when they come out of school, they can they function in the world and know what to do. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, just very very basic things like that I think should be done anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're but they're not. You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of kids come out of school clueless. 
I, I'm trying sure. to remember if I had. I'm pretty sure when I when I was in school that we had we had to learn this stuff. I I don't know. It's it's been a while, but I do remember having government, you know, mm-hmm. and learning about history in school and. I would guess I was trying to remember particularly about the electoral process. Did you? No, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely remember um, when when I was when I was in school, government and civics were those, those were two separate classes. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I remember taking them both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that was I mean, I, I finished high school you know eighteen years ago. <laughs> I, I remember point, having so, uh, know, a lot of change. Yeah. I remember having citizenship. You know, like you get your marks for your different classes, but also you were graded on citizenship. You know, hmm. you're right. I'm dating. I'm dating too. myself. <laughs> we had citizenship. We said the pledge of allegiance to the flag, and we probably even had prayer. Um, oh wow! I don't know. Out of all the people. That you know, you, you know, I don't know too many people personally that are out there as engaged as you are. What about your upbringing and your your um, experience in life would make you uh, go out there and be on the ground for Obama? Oh, um, uh, you mean for me that personally? Oh, yes. Oh, it's just that I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't participate in two thousand and eight. I didn't participate in helping Obama to win in that historic election, and I regretted it. So this, I knew when the second time, when the time came around for re-election, that I was going to participate. Um, so, but also, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, the jobs of the future and children being prepared for the jobs of the future. And as I was just saying, um, when I was in school, we had art. We had the visual arts, we had music, we had electives like drama club or orchestra. You know, we had a very well, we had gym. You know, we had a very well-rounded education that encouraged uh, creative problem-solving and creative thinking. And it it wasn't all about memorizing and uh, Mm. learning things by rote. And so I feel that as I grew up, I had a very well-rounded education that, um, encouraged my imagination to flourish. And Mm -hmm. so I'm very um, concerned about all these jobs of the future that we keep hearing about on the news and and Americans being prepared to take on these new jobs. I mean, if you're not in an educational system where you're allowed to have imagination or for your imagination to flourish and you're not fed every little piece of information, then how are kids going to be prepared for that, you know? And so um, I've been very excited by the fact that the Obamas have uh, shown how arts and culture are very important to the White House and to the administration. I mean, in 2008 when, when Barack won, he took Michelle on a date to see a Broadway show. And it wasn't just any show. It was August Wilson's uh, play on Broadway. And then later she brought the two, the two, the two first daughters back to see uh, Memphis on Broadway. And they took dance class. And she's had um, artists, non-traditional artists, come to the White House to perform, you know, like spoken word artists and stuff like that. So... You know, just in the choices that they've made and the and the people that they've brought to the White House to perform and all the choices they've made it really got me excited about the importance that they see in arts and culture. You know, and even Michelle, there's an I can't remember the program, but there's um some award ceremony she has each year for the after school programs that introduce kids to the arts. I can't call it right now, but um, you know, so that's what's exciting to me. And 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 if you talk about jobs of the future, then our kids are going to have to be able to exercise their imagination and and, and be allowed that <laughs> playground. So I feel like I'm I'm speaking too much. No, that was an excellent point. Excellent. Okay. And in fact, okay. I went to see um, uh, President Obama at Whoopi Goldberg's um, play. I'm trying to recall. Whoopi Goldberg's play. 
consistent. So, um, yes, uh, he is definitely um, in favor of the arts. And I wanted to ask Beasley, do you see your play um, being modified so that it could be used to educate children in high schools or in any kind of setting, educational setting? Because I, 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 even though it's about, you mentioned Obama, but can you change that so that it's timeless? Sure. We've always worked mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from any voting, you know. <laughs> right. I, I don't know that he would necessarily have to change it. I mean, I think he brings up a lot of issues. And the the great thing about Bill's play is that he brings up all the reasons, all the excuses that people find not to vote. Right. You know, yes. like everything, everything, every reason she says that he should be voting uh, the Andy comes back with a reason why he shouldn't be, and it's so it's so like real life, you know. And so that's the main. I think that's the main thing we take away is that, you know, for every excuse that you have to vote, then there's some excuse that someone's going to come up with not to vote. And so I, I really think love to, yeah. Go ahead. Go Bill, Bill kind of blows that out of the water. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he did. And I loved how he threw in there about the world coming to an end. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a that good time, Rodney, saying that? That line. I I did I did actually because I I didn't see that movie 2012, but I around the time it was out, I guarantee you, I watched like 15 different documentaries on that topic, and it's it's a it's a really kind of funny thing to me. So I was I I, I had a little fun with that one. I sure did. Yeah, that was very smooth, Beasley. I like that. That was, and uh, and it was excellent the way you guys um, interacted. Do you work together a lot? Uh no. This is a, this is the the second time I guess uh, that you and I have have done something together. Actually, we we met uh, this past summer uh, when I came in actually to audition for her. Uh, for for reading of like a for developmental reading of a musical uh, and that was the first time that we'd ever done anything together. Okay, well as we wrap that, up the that show, that would be a good time for um, to explain what he's been doing. Yeah, that's what I want to say. As we wrap up the show, Rodney, could you tell us more about who you are and how people can contact you and you know just give us a little bit of information. Sure, sure. I'm I'm kind of a <laughs> I'm an, I'm an interesting case for for an actor. My um, I've been performing like I've been performing most of my life, like so many of us that you see running around town. But professionally, I I spent about a decade working in finance. So I've worked in asset management. I've worked in investment banking. Um, so that's that's kind of my professional background. I I went back. I got I jumped really back into performing about two years ago, and I've been doing it kind of nonstop. Um, Recently, uh, recently I did another I did another show uh, that focused on uh, Fannie Lou Hamer's life. Uh, it was a premiere staging of that musical that happened in uh, last month. It happened in in October, and I've got a few projects coming up going into into the new year. Uh, so, uh, and he's a wonderful singer. <laughs> he's being modest. Wow. He's got a beautiful voice. Well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. And we need your full name, Rodney. And if you want oh, to develop any contact information, sure, sure, sure. Um, my full name is Rodney R O D N E Y, and my last name is Singleton S I N G L E T O N. And uh, anybody can email me at uh, Singleton R at Yahoo dot com. And because this is an educational show, I can't allow you to leave without telling us a little bit about Fannie Lou Hamer. Oh, sure. Sure, that was <clears throat> that was uh, that was actually uh, that was actually really kind of close to my heart because I'm from that area of Mississippi. That's where I grew up, and when when Fannie was uh, leading voting rights efforts in the early and mid '60s, that's when my that's when my own parents were in high school. Um, Fannie uh, Fannie was from uh, Ruleville, Mississippi, which is a small town in in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, around ni- around 1962, she got involved with uh, with voting rights and and getting people in in Mississippi to vote. There were a, there were a lot of impediments to voting back then. Um, there were 
poll taxes. There were tests that you had to pass. There were all these things. Um, in Mississippi, you had to pass a test on the New York, I'm sorry, on the Mississippi Constitution if you were black and wanted to vote. Wow. Uh, Fannie and a group of people from Sunflower County, uh, from her church and things like that, they got together and they worked to learn the Mississippi Constitution to take the test. And in the end, Fannie actually did pass that test on the Constitution. And, you know, after a lot of other struggles, I mean, she was arrested. She was she was actually beaten in jail um, very horribly uh, by other inmates in, in, in the jail, you know, at the behest of the jailers, at, at the behest of the sheriff, uh, because she was rounding people up to vote. She, however, did not allow this to stop her. Like I said, she passed the test. She became a registered voter. She became an example to a lot of people in the Mississippi Delta, and I would think to a lot of people um, who were disenfranchised, you know, everywhere. Uh, Like I said, that whole thing was very important to me, very close to my heart, because my grandfather was one of the few people in his town, in Leland, Mississippi, black people, who voted. You know, in, in the 1950s, $2 for a poll tax was a lot of money. Mm. And my grandfather, you know, he passed the test, too, and he scraped together his $2 mm. to make sure that he could vote. You know, so because I had that example, it's always been important to me. When I got old enough, I registered to vote. I know what my grandfather went through. I know what Fannie Lou Hamer went through. I go to the poll. Simple wow. as that. Wow. Wonderful. I'm glad I asked that question. Yeah, and I'm happy to tell the story, I tell you that. Well, well uh, Bill's Annie, line Bill's ahead. line in the play really underscores everything that Rodney just talked about. You know, that we're enjoying the benefits from the blood, sweat and tears that people shed defending our freedom. So, you know, that's powerful, Rodney. Thank you. Wow. Oh, sure. I, I'll tell that story 50 times over. I'm very well, proud of my granddad. <laughs> yes, you should be. And I have a picture of Fannie Lou Hamer from 1964 testifying in New Jersey at, um, at to the Credentials Committee in Atlantic City. As mm. you know, Hurricane, Hurricane Sandy just wiped away the Atlantic City boardwalk. Yeah. So, um so there's some history there with New Jersey and um, his family, Hamer. So she's a big hero of mine as well. But um, I appreciate what you said, and maybe we'll have you come back on in another day to talk more in depth. And if you have any pictures of your relatives, I think that's a show in itself. Um, so I appreciate you coming on, Rodney. And please let's Facebook each other. Do you have a Facebook? I, I, I do. It's under my real name. Okay. It's, yeah, All right. it's under Rodney Singleton. All right, and um, Yvette, Mm -hmm. Uh, could you give us your full name, you know, and share uh, anything you like with the audience, closing statements and contact information? Um, Well, it's Yvette Heiliger. I'm also on Facebook as Yvette Heiliger. Uh, My twin sister and I have a website, www.twinbiz.com. Uh, it needs some attention, so bear with me while we, you know, we get it updated. Uh, but you can also reach us at um, info at twinbiz.com, info at twinbiz.com. And I just want to encourage everybody to get out and vote. And I, I applaud um, Bill for his wonderful play Indeed. to help in, educate and inspire us to get out and vote, to give us no excuse not to do it. And his play is so successful at bringing forth um, the excuses that people have for not getting out there. And and I applaud him for that and for holding up a mirror to all of us to, to see whatever our issues are around not getting out to vote. You know, and so I'm very proud to be in the theater, and I feel that theater is a powerful tool to educate and um, get people out there on the move and get going. So when we have theater artists like Bill who are willing to to use their gifts and talents to help educate, we have to applaud them and give them a place. And so I, I thank you so much for 
having us on your show and giving him a place and an opportunity for his work to shine on election eve. You know, I mean, I know who I'm voting for tomorrow, but (laughs) I hope everybody will get out to vote, whoever they're voting for. But I know who I want you to really vote for, but I won't tell you who to vote for. But but anyway. you can say it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you, Yvette. And um, please, um, if you want to hear any more of your plays, you're more than welcome to come on here anytime to read them. I mean, I really enjoyed this, and I think the audiences as well. I know they are. Um, so, you know, let's stay in touch. I will, you know, ask for your friendship on Facebook as well. Okay, and thank Bill, you, Leslie. Yep. Bill, what do you have to say about your two actors, uh, one actor, one actress? <laughs> I, I think uh, given all given the circumstances, they did a fantastic job. Uh, but particularly since this was very last minute, uh, we did have mm-hmm. someone else who was go- other actors who were going to do it last Monday, and it was kind of like more last minute where we decided, well, let's try to get this out there before the election. So, and uh, so we we went to a vet who had been organizing it, and we that's how we came up with this format uh, since we've uh, gone through Leslie before. <laughs> and uh, I think it worked very successfully. And I, again, I thank them for uh, you know, expressing what I thought and doing it very well. <laughs> yeah, it was an excellent piece. And uh, do you want to talk about Harlem Twenty One? Anything else you're involved in? Okay. Well, we talked about it previously on some other shows, but again, Harlem Playwrights Twenty One. We're uh, a group that meets on Friday nights uh, up in Harlem where we uh, critique each other's plays um, and we help make things. But we're going to have some productions a little later on that we're trying to get done. We're, right now we're self-sufficient, uh, so we're, any funding we get is from our members supported. Uh, we're looking to try to find a way to get some additional sponsorship, and we're, we're working on that. Uh, we belong to the Black Theater Network. Uh, Michael Dinwiddie, who's the current president, is uh looking to become a part of us, our group as well. Uh, he's been one of our instructors. Uh, and, again, we've had Lawrence Holder as kind of our godfather of, of the group. <laughs> and uh, no, we're, 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 we're coming along. We're, we're still developing. And uh, you know, if anybody wants any information about it, they can reach me on my webs- website, uh, william.beasley at verizon.net currently. Uh, and then I can let you put you in touch with more of what Hall of Playwrights is about. Great. Well, I had a great time. Um, your listeners can um, listen to you on iTunes. They just Google your name. I tagged, I'm going to tag um, Yvette and Rodney's name. So just Google your name or go to iTunes, um, and you can listen and share this uh, show on all your uh, social websites. And I hope to hear from all of you real soon. And go Obama, and let's get out the vote. That's right. Go yeah, Obama. Go yeah. Obama. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.